Hi, I feel like I know half of you anyway, uh, although um, I'm Andy, if you didn't know. This is Teresa, my lovely wife, and we're really glad to be in the south. No, I'm disappointed how cold it is, having come all this way, um, and we We've kind of been connected to you for a while now, but mostly, I think, the last public thing, was it two years ago we came and we did like a tea in here and nearly. And then, then I was due to speak on a Sunday morning and, and you had like a couple of inches of snow last November, uh, you know, like stuff that we would like water off a duck's back to us in Scotland, but... It was gridlock in Chelmsford because there was this like, it, I was laughing, I was walking through and there were these BMWs skidding up the hill and all this kind of stuff. So th- th- we didn't get to see you then because we couldn't get to church. There was too much snow. <laughs> there was just. We, we, we were a bit better equipped for it up our way. And we had more gritters and all that kind of stuff going on. So, Hi, it's good to see you. Okay, I've, I've gradually trained my folks to at least say hello back. If that's all they do in the whole meeting, I feel better. So can we try that one again? Hello. That, I feel more at home, thank you. You can be quiet now for the rest of the time. No, I'm not telling you to be quiet. I would like it if you'd made more noise, but you don't have to. So, okay, you're free to, to or not to. Hopefully you're free to, but you're also free not to. Is that, is that okay? Good, happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Adrian, you're happy. Still dunking that tea. You've been dunking that cup of tea for a while. It's going to be very pepperminty or something. Um, I, I want to just take a bit of time uh, uh, to talk to you, and then we're going to, Teresa and I are going to pray, because, because we need to. Oh, you can join us at that point if you'd like, but yeah, we're just going to do some ministry and... and and that would be great to do that together. Okay. Is this being recorded? So I need the mic. Is that? It is. Okay. All right. Because you you will hear me without without it. But to tell, tell you a couple of stories. A while ago, last summer, last summer. Um. You, I'm going to be honest. This happened. You can do what you want with me when I tell you this, but three angels showed up in my study in uh, early July, I think it was, of 2017, and they said, we're going to take you on 40 days of encounter. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, oh, that's good. I didn't lose the room at that point. That's, that's important. And, uh, and all kinds of wonderful and great things happened, and uh, I kind of lost track of what day I was on, um, and I was in the gym on a Friday morning, uh, I do spin classes, I, I know it doesn't show, but honest, there's a lot of hard work gone into getting a body like this, um, um, you know the Bible talks about living stones, well you have 16 of them right here in front of you, and, uh, <laughs> I, keep, I keep trying to give some of them away, but they keep, they keep clinging on to me, so... So, does anybody know what a spin bike is, what a spin class is? Yeah, you have them here, yeah. They're actually quite hard work, and you kind of, and they're also a bit insane, because you're working really hard on a bike going nowhere. 
So you have to be of a certain disposition to really want to do a spin class. I've been doing them regularly for at least nine years. I'd probably be many more living stones if I didn't do that. So um, <laughs> I'm on this spin bike and I'm pedaling away. And, and, and in the middle of the class, and, and really you're not meditating on the greater things at that point in time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pondering you know, the great glories of the Reformation or chewing on Galatians 2.20. You know, I'm just, everything in me is just getting those pedals round, wiping sweat from my brow and listening to the next thing we're supposed to do on this bike. I mean, you, it's amazing what you can do on a spin bike. We do press-ups, we do kind of cycling on one leg, we do uh, lots of really painful I really, more I talk about it, the more I don't know why I do it. It's sort of <laughs> self-inflicted torture. So I'm there, I'm going through this whole thing and, and, and f- totally focused on just getting to the end of this 45-minute class and in the middle of it, I hear, I hear this voice loudly calling my name. And, and I feel, it's so strong, it feels like everybody should hear it, but I'm hearing it. It's internal, but it's like resonating in, inside of me, just going, Andy, Andy, and I know it's the Lord. I mean, I've been a Christian long enough to figure out it was him. That was, you know, it took 35 years to get to that point. I could discern that this was Jesus. How about, how about that? So I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly overcome by this sense of God shouting my name on the inside of me. And, 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 and so my arms go up. My legs are still going around. <laughs> they all think I'm stretching. You know, like I'm just, doing, yeah, just stretching out here, guys, and just worshipping Jesus. You don't know that. You're all sweating away, and I'm just kind of going on. And this went on, and it was such an such a overwhelming experience. I went home, and I got in my study, and I'm like, God, this is amazing. What's going on? And I looked at a few scriptures that would be familiar to many of you. And But the what? The, this, this was the question I had. This is... God, that was amazing. I'm really grateful. But why? Because you know, when I go to Chelmsford, no, this isn't quite how I said it. I'm making this bit up. If I could tell them I heard the audible voice of God, then they'd think I was like really spiritual. I, mean, like, that'd be like, I was in my study, and from the far corner, the audible voice of God called my name. I mean, you'd, you would be more impressed, wouldn't you? I know I would have been. <laughs> Um, I said, why God, God, this is amazing, it's beautiful, it's fantastic. Why can't you do that? He said, because if I did that, that would reinforce in you the idea that I'm separate from you and I'm not. So the scripture tells us that he's put his spirit in us and by him we cry, Abba Father. His spirit partners or bears witness, depends on which translation with our spirit, that we are children of God. He calls our name audibly and feelably and knowably internally um, because he's inside of me. There was a, there was a, a young couple f- in South Africa. They, they fell in love, they got married, and they went on a, a honeymoon retreat to some beautiful park, mountains, There's some incredible places in South Africa if you've ever been. And uh, they're going on a walk one day in the mountainous area and they come across this truck with, with a load of uh, 
a crate on the back and a load of zoo zookeepers in the middle of nowhere. And they're, they're watching what's going on and they realize that in the, this large crate is a very large eagle. So they go over to the truck and they try and find out what's going on and they discover that this eagle has been in Pretoria Zoo for 10 years. And uh, they're like, oh, that's interesting. And, and the zoo and the zookeepers figure it's time that it should be released back into the wild, into its natural habitat. So they, they open the gate and, and, and open the cage and the eagle doesn't move. He stays inside the cage. For hours he stays inside the cage. And they prod the eagle and they poke the eagle and they cajole the eagle and they entice the eagle for hours and hours. And this couple is watching this thing unfold where this, this, this gorgeous mighty beast now of 10 years being inside a captivity in, 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 in the zoo is refusing to fly into its freedom for hours. And they're watching this, and then suddenly there's a sound in the sky, and, and they look up, and there's this sort of screech, and they look up, and it's, it's the sound of an eagle flying overhead. And the eagle in the cage lifts its head. It hears the sound comes out of the cage, stretches its wings and flies off to be with the other eagle. All the cajoling in the world, all the unlocking the cage, all the dismantling, all the offering food, couldn't get the eagle out of the cage. But when it heard and saw the other eagle, something happened. I'm going to read do you guys have the Passion Translation? I would really recommend you get, get hold of this if you don't have one. And uh, it's, a, it's a fresh translation, very, very scholarly and very up-to-date in terms of its, um, yeah, its sort of theological background. It, it is done by one man with a team rather than most common translations we use are committee uh, and there's great strengths to that. Uh, there is also great strengths to someone coming with their own particular view. And uh, someone said that this is a little bit like Luther's translation at the Reformation. So one of the things that Luther did was translate the Bible then. I think, I don't know if he did the Vulgate, into, but he did it into German. And he did it with a gutsy sense of the German language as he translated it and it was key to the Reformation now 500 years ago. This, this is like a modern day gutsy, passionate language of the people translation. Okay, So it's from the original language and it, it's sense for sense rather than word for word and it's really, really, really inspiring. So can, can I read you some Bible? Is that okay? Okay. Three or four people are happy about us reading the Bible. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I would. If you don't have one, and it's, Christmas is coming, and they've just they've just released this hardback. So I've just borrowed Teresa's, but I did buy my own because I kept borrowing hers. It was so good. And she's like, "Get off! I want to read this." Um, so this this is Paul relating to the Galatians his conversion experience. Remember Paul persecuting the church, riding on his donkey, camel, horse, whatever it was, and has this sudden experience. There's a light, and the, and he gets knocked off his ride and ends on the ground and 
it's blind and all that in Acts. And it relates that. It says, God, verse 15 of Galatians chapter 1, it says, God called me by his grace and in his love he chose me from birth to be his. God's grace unveiled his son in me so that I would proclaim him to the non-Jewish people of the world. And after I had this encounter, I kept it secret for some time, sharing it with no one, and I chose not to return to Jerusalem to try and impress those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went away into the Arabian desert for a season until I returned to Damascus, where I had first encountered Jesus. It's good, isn't it? But I'm reading it from this translation because I know in the other translations... They, they've missed this point in some of them. So if I use another translation, I don't have to explain it to you, but I don't because it's done, they've done it here. So what happened to Paul? Who appeared to Paul on his donkey, horse or camel, whichever? The Bible is non-specific, so I always like to give you the option. You can imagine what he was riding at the time when he fell off it. It's really completely irrelevant. It's just the way my head works. All right. So what happened? Who, who appeared to Paul? It says here that, 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 that God's grace unveiled his son in him. There you go. But then God called me by his grace and in love he chose me from my birth to be his. God's grace unveiled his son in... Ooh in me so I would proclaim him to the non-Jewish people of the world I'm not saying he didn't reveal himself to him but the eagle only remembered he was an eagle when he saw the eagle Keep going. You'll get there. Galatians 2.20. I, I learned this as a new Christian. Quoted it endlessly. And I could probably do a better job of quoting it to you in a probably the RSV. That's showing my age. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... I who live, but Christ who lives, where does he live? Where? Really? And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Pretty good. Pretty good Bible verse. And um, I, I like this better, but I can't remember it because my head's full of RSV now. So, I'll, but I'll read you this one. Is that okay? Um, my old, I think, because you know, language changes. You know, Ten, fifteen years. It's kind of more current, and and it says, "My old identity has been co-crucified with my Messiah, and no longer lives." Oh, I like that so much. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. Kind of, we can get it. We can we can get away with that somewhere in our thinking, 
we kind of, we've religified it, but my old identity was co-crucified with Jesus. Who your parents, your upbringing, your schoolmates, your qualifications, your history, your birth, your, your religion, your location, your color, your sex, whoever that seems to tell you what you are, Jesus killed it. Hmm. That's an ouch. It's not a hmm. It's an ooh. Hang on a minute. Whatever that is, whatever whatever composite made you who you you think you were, Jesus put nails in it as his nails went in him. I mean, actually, for most of us, that's really good news. I just started, didn't I? Unless it's, I thought it'd gone quiet. I had to say some more, didn't I? Um, it's no longer I who live, but the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. <laughs> that's a happy verse. Come on, that's just, isn't that incredible? That's just, wow. So, you know, it, he, he killed my old identity. He, he crucified my old self. That in Christ I died. That is actually good news. At the same time, he, he, he gave me his. We live in union as one. And my life is empowered. I like that my life is empowered by, not my faith, but his faith. And actually, I think that is a better translation. I live by the faith of God, not my faith in God. So I'm living by what he believes about me, not what I believe about me. And that's why Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Because he believed God's definition of him, not his definition of him. He lived by God's faith, God's opinion. So God had such a different opinion of Abraham, he changed his name so that his name would line up with God's opinion of Abraham, not Abraham or his parents' opinion of Abraham. Do you see? He named him. That's kind of how they did it in those days. Um, So Abraham believed God and it was credited as righteousness. Abraham joined in with God's opinion of himself. Are you happy so far? Isn't that exciting? This is a lot easier than it sounds. Because we're living by his faith, 
in us and for us and his opinion of us, not what we can muster up. I just got to breathe easy. Do you know, sometimes inside you're just like, got to be a good Christian, got to be a good Christian, got to believe God, believe in him, believe in him, because I'm supposed to believe. Well, yeah, 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 but he, he believes first. We, we're, we're, we're running on his juice, not ours, otherwise we're going to get burned out. Remember the eagle? When was the eagle set free? Yeah, but yeah, when they undid the locks and you're now a free eagle. He's like. I'm staying in my cage. I know how cages work. I've been conditioned to zoos and cages. Do, do you see? Ten years, ten years in the zoo will do that to you. The eagle forgot who he was by the conditioning of his environment. So he was not convinced that he could get out of that thing and fly. I, I think... You can sit in church and be told that told we can be told that Jesus set us free. He died for us. He set us free from sin and the power of sin. He set us free from death and the power of death. He set us free from the devil and the power of the devil. He set us free from the law and the, the power of the law. We've been set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, and we're still in the cage. Not because he didn't undo the locks and smash off the front door, but because we've had conditioning that tells us we're small, we can't fly, and we would be feeling above ourselves if we thought we could do that. Do you see? I can never be an eagle. I'm a sparrow in the Lord. I could never fly. I could never do something outrageously amazing. You know, I'm, I've got to stay humble. No, humility is nothing about making yourself small. Humility is everything about agreeing with him. God loves those that tremble at his word, not those who keep their ideas about themselves in a cage. I've been wrestling with this for a long time, it seems. There was a, we have a supernatural school that we've been running now We're in year seven, and I think it's probably about the second year of this school, and some of the worship is just amazing. And I was pushing in to God. I just wanted more of him. And I'll tell you this story. I'd read, I'd read about Smith Wigglesworth. Do you all know who he was? The famous revivalist from the last century, mid-last century. And this guy was telling a story of following Smith Wigglesworth around New Zealand doing healing revival meetings. And he was kind of documenting it. And they went to two different towns. And the first town, the meeting was 
gathered by local pastors and they all the meeting was about to start and they had the pre-meeting prayer and the pastors all sat around in a circle and they all prayed their best prayer and Smith Wigglesworth remained silent and play, prayed last. And as he started to pray, the atmosphere in the room completely changed. And it became so intense that one by one all the other people left. And the only person left in the room was Smith Wigglesworth still praying. All the other pastors and ministers had left. They couldn't handle the atmosphere. And, and this is the writer now writing this down, like, oh, I had to get out. So they go to the next town, same scenario. The people that organize the, the outreach, all the pastors, ministers gather to pray. And, and, the, and the author of this says, I determined to hang in there. And he said the same thing, everybody prayed their best prayer, and around it went. And then Smith Wigglesworth started to pray, and the atmosphere starts to change. And one by one, everybody's leaving the room. And you get the feeling, the way this guy's writing, that he's literally, you know, he's on a chair like this. He's literally, you know, these bits on the side, he was clinging on to them to try and stay in the room. He's clinging on and clinging on. And eventually, again, he has to leave. And he writes this, he said, Smith Wigglesworth lived in an atmosphere of heaven that few men could breathe in. You know what went off inside of me? It's like, I want it, I don't want it. I love that, oh, that's scary. Yes, please, oh no, thank you. I don't know if you can get pills for that, but it doesn't sound too good, does it? It sounds like I'm not sure whether I really do or really don't. And so this is going on inside of me. And I think I'm beginning to figure out that what I'm afraid of is my classic upbringing in evangelicalism has made me afraid of the presence of God because really really what's going on is is Wigglesworth is such a holy guy that he can handle the holiness of God without being fried. Whereas I just know that I'm not that holy. If it gets that hot with God in my environment... I am toast, and I don't want to be toast. Does anybody understand that? Anybody get, does that the way, you know, sin, you know, God's a holy God, I'm sinful, when God gets close, oh, I'm just going to be aware of how horrible I am, and I just don't want to do that. I mean, I don't need his help to know that. Am I talking to the right people? Just... But then there's another bit of me going, oh, that'd be so amazing to know the presence of God in such intense way. Oh, I hunger for that. I want that. So this is what's going on in my head. I'm having worship in a supernatural school and I'm worshiping away and I'm in the presence of God. And maybe say something about that in a minute. In the presence of God, as clear as anything, he speaks to me. He says, you know that thing? Yes, I know that thing. He says, you know what's going to ruin you? When you get closer to me in my presence, I said, no, I don't know what it is. He said, it's going to be my, you, my high opinion of you. What's going to spoil you in my presence is my high opinion of you. It's going to wreck you and ruin you. Have you ever had that thing when you get close to someone they start to give you lots of compliments? Has that ever happened? And at the beginning, at the beginning, it's quite nice, isn't it? But after a little bit, and if they go on too much, maybe this is just me that can be like this. You start to sort of back off a bit, like 
but you don't really know me. You know, like, I'm not sure I can deliver on all this yummy goodness you're telling me about me. I'm like, this is just, I think just, come on, let's keep a safe distance because you're nuts. And I'm not sure I can live up to... Imagine being in the presence of a father who loves us so passionately, adores us so deeply, praises us so incessantly, is for us so, so, in such a high level of passion and dedication. Even on our crappiest day, he never gives up going, you are amazing, you're the apple of my eye, you're the object of my affection. You're going, but I'm had such a bad day and I kicked the cat, I bit the kids and I just can't pay the bills and I'm spotty and I'm horrible. He said, I love you, I'm for you, I've always been for you, I think you're amazing, I think you're beautiful, I think you're gorgeous, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do amazing things with your life. Like, you just don't know me. He's like, yes, I do, I made you. Excuse me. Eagles. Conditioned by the zoo to think he can't fly, think he doesn't have value. Think he's not much of anything. This guy's the king of the skies. He's not meant to be some showpiece for kiddies going round on a school trip. He's changing the atmosphere of the airwaves. How, how did Paul know who was in him? Let's change the question. How did the eagle in the cage know he was an eagle? He heard and saw another eagle. Jesus appears to Paul, and his tells us that revealed the Son in him. I thought you revealed the Son to him. The eagle appears to the eagle, reveals the eagle in the eagle. When the eagle appears to the, the eagle in the sky appears to the eagle in the cage, it shows the eagle in the cage that he's an eagle. When Jesus appears to the apostle Paul, who's in the cage of his religion, it reveals Christ inside him, which is what he's called to be. Jesus appeared to a man in him. Boom. I think I'm preaching the gospel. 
Colossians 1 tells me that Christ is where? Christ is in me. The hope of glory. You know what some people reduce that to? Is that I have this, where my appendix used to be, there's this little space and Jesus lives in there. (laughs) And good job I had my appendix out when I was 16 because there's room for Jesus. I can show you the scar. There's Jesus and that means that I'm going to go to heaven one day. That's my hope of glory. Yeah? And when he appears, I'll appear with him. That's kind of... Have you ever heard anything like that? Kind of, maybe. Not as silly as that, obviously. The hope of glory isn't the hope of glory. It's the hope of glory. It's a present... It's a present reality promise, not a future... And Christ isn't in you. He's not hiding in your big toe. It's like, where's Wally? We're all like, where is he? Where is he? Well, he's in me, but I can't see him. It's because you need to keep seeing the eagle. Or we've got this sort of body, soul, spirit going on and Jesus is in my spirit. I don't know where my spirit is, but that's where he is and that's pure and the holy and the rest of me I'm working on. But what if that's holy? And that, and that, and that, and the whole hand is a holy hand attached to a holy arm. Can we go further? Holy shoulder, are we... What if Jesus isn't caged in me? What if Jesus is in me? What if Jesus is in me? What if Jesus is in me? What if it actually means what it says? He's actually in me. I can find Bible verses that tell you that Jesus is in all the bits of you you can possibly think of and some you don't want to think of it's in the Bible it's in all your bits that's why it tells you don't join certain bits to inappropriate people because he's in the bits just read 1 Corinthians 7 right? it's in the Bible I know it's not supposed to be talked about in church but Paul wrote about don't join your bits to the wrong people Because it's joining Jesus to the wrong people. My goodness. See, if you lock him away in where your appendix was or in your big toe, the rest of you is up for grabs, but it isn't. He already grabbed you. Remember? It's no longer I who live. No longer I who live. No longer. No longer I... Well, he only lives in me. He's, he's, he's in. My appendix is alive because of Christ. No. It's no longer I live but Christ. I have the mind. So he's in my mind. Oh my goodness, Jesus is in my mind. This is doing a mind job on me. It's in my body. 
I mean, he's everywhere in you. I'm surprised we're not happier yet. I lost Jesus. I think I put him in my pocket. No, you're in his pocket, if anything. I can't find him. No, that's because he found you. We did a very bad job of trying to find him. <clears throat> okay, I'll try and I'll try and land with I'll try and land the eagle. The eagle is landing. Okay, yeah, we can do this. Five minutes? You okay for five minutes? Stay awake five minutes? Then we'll, we'll pray. You really need to pray now, don't you? He's like, my goodness, we need to pray. <laughs> Listen, if you can't have fun doing this, let's go home. Is that all right? Can we go home? Because it's Saturday night. We could be watching Strictly. We could be voting. We could be doing all of that. Or we could be enjoying Jesus together. <laughs> Just being honest. Just being honest. Um, probably missed the voting, love. Yeah. Um, I know it's not very spiritual. But if Jesus is in me watching it, it's spiritual, isn't it? He said to me once, buy good coffee, I like good coffee. And if he's in my tongue, he's tasting my coffee, so let's get with the party. He's in all your bits, remember he's in all those bits? It's going to be a fun weekend. So, presence, that presence thing we did in worship, you know, presence, charismatics, love the presence of God, is that right? It's like, you know, what's it, Darth Vader? I feel your presence. Um, Have you heard that joke? No, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to do that joke now. I've spoiled it already. (laughs) So, so Dave's in the room. He's present. We have his presence. Is that, is that true? Yeah. I mean, he's all the way over there, but he's present. I have, we have the presence of Dave. Yay. Yeah. Come on. In the Old Testament, there's no word for presence like I just described it. <clears throat> it's translated presence, but actually, can I borrow my wife? In the Old Testament, the word for presence is this. Perhaps not that. No, no, it's a bit of that as well, yeah. (laughs) The Old Testament word for presence is face to face. We translate it presence, but our idea of presence is proximity. The Bible's idea of presence is intimacy. So when you feel that thing that you feel when you know it's the presence, we all have it, don't we? Everybody have a thing that you feel. It can be warm, it can be peace, it can be kind of yumminess or tingle or 
fun or laughter. Just nod or... You know what I'm talking about? And we think, oh, that was a good meeting. I had the presence. You had his face. The trouble is we can end up detaching God from his presence. It's like, oh, God's in the room. It's like Dave sitting at the back. We feel his presence. And that's good. But actually, when you sense the presence... He, he thinks he's doing this, and we think, where are you, Lord? And he's like, I'm right in your face. <laughs> where are you, Lord? I'm in your face. <laughs> how do I know? You, how does he let you know that he's in your face? Is by tingles, heat, gooey, yummy. That's just the beginning of him making you aware Okay, just can you hold that thought? Hold that thought with me. So, in one of my favourite passages is two Corinthians three eighteen that we're transformed from as we behold Him, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. Right? Yeah. And John one one says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and He was with God in the beginning. Yeah. That word with God was with God was face in the beginning. The word that is Jesus was face to face with God. They were mirrors of one another. Look at Jesus, you see the Father. Look at the Father, you see Jesus. (laughs) Face to face. We are face to face as we behold his glory we're transformed from one degree of glory to another now hold that hold that thought just 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 keep it in that head don't go strictly don't go anywhere just hold that thought because that word transformed is better translated transfigured it's in it's in here you can check it out for yourself later <clears throat> if you go 2 Corinthians 3.18, or the other Bible verse we love to quote is, we are transformed by the renewal of our mind, Romans 12.2. Both of those Greek words are better translated transfigured, which is the same word as Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that part? goes up with Peter, James and John, isn't it? Up the hill. And he has, not transformed, transfigured before them. Are you with me? What happens when you're transfigured is all the light that's on the inside starts shining out through his clothes on the outside. So what's within is displayed out. Transformation is what's out comes in. Transformation is more about installation. Transformation is about revelation. Okay, if we put all these thoughts together... We are face to face with the glory and as that happens, the glory that's already inside of us is shown out of us because we are transfigured from glory to glory, not grotty to glory. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. The hope of glory right now, there's glory in you and what happens in seeing the eagle is the eagle comes out. What happens in beholding his glory is the glory that's in you comes out. What happens is when you see him, you see you. And the more you see him, the more you see you, and the more of him that's in you comes out of you. 
You don't need more of Jesus to be installed in you. We need more of Jesus to be revealed out from us. Because we're living in divine union with him in every part of our being. So your righteousness isn't fake righteousness. I was trying to look, you know, we sang songs about being clothed in righteousness. I can't find that. Robes of righteousness, all that. I was like, and is that, it must be in the Bible. I'm like, I can't find it. Maybe someone will help me. So you're not dirty with a robe on. Sneaking into the courts of heaven in the disguise of Jesus. But if God really gets a sniff of you, he knows that you just smell like you. And you're out on your ear. No, we are... We, he became, right? He became, we believe that, don't we? He became sin. He didn't wear it, he became it. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. If he's in you, you're righteous. It's not a beha- behavior follows identity. You don't have to behave to get your identity, you behave because of what you believe about your identity. You may not be living 100% righteous, but that doesn't mean you're not righteous. It means you've not realized how righteous you are, so you're not behaving it. You're not a fraud, you're not a fake. Christ is in you. And every time you see him, you remember who you are. Because when you see him, you see you. Because he's a model for you. No, he's a model of you. It's not designed to copy. It is a design to remind. I get so excited about this. That I get so excited I forget to apply it in a kind of... But can can we stand because you've been sitting too long really and I really appreciate you giving me a hearing. Smiling at me most of the time, I really appreciate that. Um, But if he's in you, it means he's in all of you and he's in the difficult bits. He's in the painful bits, he's in the sad bits. He's already, even if you can't see him, he's already in the bits of you that are giving you a problem. So often we pray, Lord, come, and he's already come. What we're really saying is, Lord, I want to cooperate with you because you're already here and I want to see you push through from the inside out. He's already at work in our most difficult places, our darkest places, our challenging places, our sicknesses, etc., etc. Is that okay? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some praying, cooperating with him because he's for us and he's working on our stuff before we even realize it. So why don't you just thank Jesus <coughs> that he's alive in you. Come on, let's thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we're free. Thank you you're alive in us. Thank you you're working for us. Thank you, your light is already in any dark place. 
So Jesus, we join with you in speaking to uh, any sickness in our bodies because you come to make us well. Any discouragement, we just speak to it to leave. Any, any broken heartedness or confusion, we just know your light is already at work inside of us, pushing for our good, pushing to give illumination, pushing to give joy, pushing, 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 pushing from the inside out. Just when you let Jesus push from the inside out of you. <clears throat> you don't have to beg him to come. He wants, he's already in and he wants out. He wants, to, he wants to push from the inside out to bring new freedom, new health, new healing, happier thoughts, change your mood. <clears throat> so cooperate, cooperate with him. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh. huh. so I'd really love if, if we could pray for you. Just, but we, we, Teresa and I are just going to lay on hands and huh, call out the light and the gold that's in you that is Jesus. Is that, is that all right? And I believe people are going to get it well. People's minds are going to get clear. Peace is coming. (sighs) Joy is coming. Who knows what else is coming because he's there. And he's the king of glory. So 